0: So let's move on with the scripture reading. It comes to us from uh, Psalm uh, 91, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor by, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation this is the word of the Lord you may be seated well hello hello again
1: Uh, my name is Jason Lee elder candidate Um, a little plug probably your last week to send in any of your grievances on me Um, but we have a real special treat today we have John C Hughes I also I incline to say John C. Riley, but John C. Hughes here today <laughs> with the Southeast Family Church. He's the community groups pastor over there, and today Cameron actually for the week he's at a retreat center over at Barnabas uh, Ministries on Keys Island. So actually, if you do it with me uh, after the count of three, just tell Cameron, go have fun, because he's probably looking at this live stream right now, watching everything. Cameron, we good? One, two, three. Cameron, have fun, all right? So enjoy your time,
0: but we're going to be so blessed. Thank you so much, John, to have you, and yeah. Thank you.
1: So I wish John C. Riley was here. That's kind of disappointing. Cam's like, ah, you should have gotten him. So we are going to be unpacking Psalms 91 today. It's a passage that numerous Christians have gone to for comfort. But as we were reading through it, it made me think of an old hymn, something uh, one of the hymns that my grandma would always tell me about. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one that saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. There'll be no more sorrows there. There'll be no more burdens to bear, no more sickness and no more pain. No more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, what a glorious day that would be. We Christians live in a very hard place. We are in a, in a world that is not our home. I'm not sure what your stories are, your backgrounds. Your stories are a privilege to hear, not a right to hear. Even if I'm in, like, I'm on staff at Door of Hope. But what we all are aware of is that the shrapnel of life has hit us all. Yet we can read Psalms 91 and be comforted, and we can hear that hymn, and we can long for what a day that will be when our Jesus I'll see, but we are not in that day. So what do we do with that? So we talk about how his mercies are new every morning, Amen, hallelujah. But what about the Prince of Peace that walks with us through the night? Uh, Pip, uh, I think Pip taught here a couple weeks back. He's a real cinema junkie. And he will always unpack about how a movie, let's say about a road trip, is not about the destination. Let's say Lord of the Rings is not just about Mordor. It's the journey in between. It can be comforting that we know that there is a, place called heaven for us but we have to understand that heaven would be hell if it was not for the presence of the Father but for a lot of us we are not to that point tomorrow is not promised we're just trying to go hour by hour maybe every four hours maybe just by the day and some of us have things that are really weighing on us Uh, part of my story is I'm not from here uh, from Chicago, grew up in foster care, was adopted at a little bit later age, and so when it comes to the brokenness of life, this is not something that is a problem of pain, but this is more a grief observed. I do not come up here glibly and say, "Well, life's really hard, man, and it'll work out. We got heaven." What we do as Christians is we limit heaven to being fire insurance. Rather than a relationship with our Jesus, that He wants to walk with us and talk with us and tell me, tell us that we are His own, and the words that we share as we tarry there reminds us that we're never alone. So Psalms ninety-one, one through thirteen, and I'll stop the car real fast. We have to wrestle with the tension. God's making these promises in Psalms ninety-one. Are they hollow? We, we, sh- we see him showing up or saying that he will, but then a lot of us can look at our own lives and, like, where are you? Now, being a good Baptist boy, fundamental independent uh, Baptist kid, so King James only, grew up watching Veggie Tales. <laughs> uh, has anyone heard of Abeka Books? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Someone knows. So, Abeka Books, one of the things that, like, I learned the importance of the gospel and God's word. But I was not struck with God's grace until much later. Much later. But when I was going through like these different hard moments, it would always come, well, you must be living in sin. Clearly, if you were living in sin, these bad things are happening, so if you pray that prayer once again, you gotta pray that prayer, you listen to so-and-so hymn, and you wear that tie on Sunday, and you don't walk smoke, or chew, or walk with girls that do, you know, things will go well. So, Psalms 91, 1 through 13. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Ooh, I like the sound of that. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence or sickness, and he will cover you with his pinions, feathers and under his wings you will find refuge, and his faithfulness will be a shield and a buckler, and you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence or sickness that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at the noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Uh, Think of the imagery of, because David's writing this, uh, think of when... uh, David kills Goliath, you know, and people are like, okay, that's dope. But then he's like talking with Saul, and Saul keeps hearing the women sing. <laughs> Saul has killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And then Saul's like, I think I'm still the king, though. Like, what, what is this mess? So a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right side, but it will not come near you. You will not only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. So these verses are telling us if you put your trust in God, this is what's going to happen. For the Most High is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague can come near your tent. Maybe in this this context, house. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all his ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample on underfoot. Incredible words. Truths. Yet we look at life and at least, I'll be honest, I'm confused. Because I can look at my life and be like, but God, where were you when XYZ happened? One of the hardest things in ministry is that you get to hear people's stories. And in one moment, like, so we had VBS this past week, so awesome, right? So in one part, you're hanging out with these awesome kids and telling them about Ephesians 6, the armor of God. But at the same time, you were thinking about brokenness in someone's life that you just heard. Our God calls us to mourn with those who mourn and celebrate with those who celebrate. So then I read Psalms 91, And I look at my own life, and I'm like, okay, like, I'm trying to pursue you, and my faults have faults. And I know, like, this couple or this person really love you intensely, and they're going through this sickness. And I've grown enough in the faith where my default now is like, well, so-and-so's living in sin. No, it's not that, it's the fact that we live in a broken world. So, excuse me, Satan knows these promises. He seeks to destroy. It's kind of wild. We were talking with the kids about the armor of God, and we were talking about the scene where uh, Jesus is taken to the top of the mountain. So I had the kids name what mountains have they seen? Mount Hood was a number one choice. I think one of the kids said Mount Everest. That was a great take. I was not expecting that one. And then um, Mount Black Butte. Is That's what one of the kids said that one. I don't know where that is, but I'm sure it's great. But I try to paint this scene for the kids and the fact of Satan's taking our Jesus up to the top of a mountain and is promising the entire kingdom. And just before that, he is, takes Jesus to a tower and says, and we see this in Luke 4, 9 through 11, or in also Matthew 4 through 6. And he took Jesus, he, Satan, took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of a, the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Sounds very familiar. Psalms 91. So, Satan knows scripture. Uh, the old old play merchant of venice by a little known writer named shakespeare says even satan knows scripture even satan knows scripture so it is mind-blowing that we unpack psalms 91 and we see these promises but then even satan looks at the same things and okay if this is true well like these angels are going to protect you why don't you jump We were talking about these two kingdoms so we have god's kingdom and satan's kingdom and god's kingdom is this kingdom of life in abundance this light he wants what's best for you even though you may not understand it in the moment and satan is this kingdom of lies it's this twisting it's this destruction satan wants you to despair to doubt god to fail to see the full picture Satan is fine with you looking at the promise, but he does not want you to look at the person. He does not want you to look at the person of Jesus. He wants you to look at Psalms 91 and despair. Why is it that this beautiful passage is saying, such and such in my life is this? Rather than looking at Psalms 91 and realizing that it's a reminder that he's with us we don't want just promises we want the person it makes me think of seinfeld one of my favorite shows and uh, so jerry goes to the uh, airport to rent a car and he's in line and he's like okay i'm here with the reservation where's my car They're like ah oh, we don't have your reservation and it's like wait ooh, we don't have your car and jerry's like well i gave you a reservation and then the lady quickly goes Yes, I took your reservation. Then Jerry responds even faster, but the key is to keep the reservation. (laughs) It's to keep it. Now, I am realizing in that moment that our God does not write checks that bounce. He can't. It's not what he's about. Isaiah 45 talks about how God says, Who is like me? None. None makes me think i listen to like a lot of hip-hop and one of the things that rappers are known for is they're not known for humility i'll just put it that way not at all but it makes me think about isaiah 45 of there's these moments where we look at scripture and god is like i am him who is like me and is it because He's saying, who is like me? It makes us think about Isaiah 55. Because I am God and there is no other. I can forgive like none other. So bring me your brokenness. You have to repent and I'll forgive you because my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts as high as the heavens are from the earth. That is the God that we serve. So Satan is trying to make us focus on the passage and the promise. I want to challenge us. What about the person that makes the promise? If I were to assure you that, hey, I could fight Conor McGregor and make you promise that, let's say you owe Conor McGregor money, I'm like, I promise you I can get that money by fighting Conor McGregor. I can quickly, quickly, quickly assure you, you will not get your money. It would not go well for me. No, no, no. So are we fools to trust God potentially with this one life? This one life. So what is, what is God promising? Well, it's not that nothing bad or hard will happen because, well, we can look at our own lives, a lot of tough stuff, things have happened. And we can look at the world that a lot of tough things are happening. But let's jump to Genesis fifty twenty. It's the story of Joseph. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about many people should be kept alive. As they are today so Joseph was a favorite son I'm sure all you parents understand you can't have favorites as kids but Jacob did not hear that memo so here we are he gave his favorite son a very very colorful coat and if there's 11 other brothers let's say they were not enthused about their little brothers standing in their father's eyes and they decide to kill him, but then Reuben, being the older brother, and I always feel like people don't focus on this fact. He's like, let's not kill him, let's put him in the pit, you know? And then he leaves for something, then he's gonna come back and get him out. But the brothers, which is, this is wild, are like, okay, we can't kill him because our big brother said not to. What if we sold him into slavery? <laughs> what? Yeah, let's just sell him to slavery and then they pretend that they sell him off They pretend that he's killed by a wild animal. Joseph goes to Egypt and he's a slave. He's going through all these really hard moments, uh, but then he's kind of raised up through the prison, like God's with him, he sees these visions. Um, Before that, there's this uncomfortable scene of Potiphar's wife making advances to him and he says no and runs away, which is very key, is to run away. So long story short, Joseph goes from being a slave to becoming the second-in-command in this in the kingdom and helping them prepare for this vast famine it's pretty dope what's wild I was talking with Josh about this it's not like Joseph knew the whole time what was happening if someone knew the full story like God does then maybe they could ah, like this is not going to be enjoyable but someday I'll be in a chariot, which is this uh, kingdom's version of the Tesla, and people will respect me. No, it's the fact of, to Joseph's knowledge, I'm in jail, and then I told these guys about this vision and asked them not to forget about me, and they did. It's hard. You have Romans 8.28. We know that for those who love God, all things will work together for good all things for those who are called according to his purpose well what does that mean god's work well john 6 29 the work of god is to believe in the one who has sent that is the one of the most freeing verses for me in the bible to do the work of god is not to be a vocational ministry person it's simply, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, lived the life that I could not live, died to death, and then conquers death and rises again, is interceding on my behalf at the right hand of the Father. That is the work of God. So when we're going through these really hard seasons, it's challenging because the enemy will come in and say, well, what if you're doing more for the church? Wait, what if you aren't even following God in these different areas. Now, the beauty of the Christian life is we have God's word, amen, we have prayer, and we have community. There are gonna be some moments where maybe you're off on the wrong path. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. That's where community comes in. That can point you to scripture and beckon you back into prayer. But there are going to be moments where the enemy comes out of left field and is going to be shooting at you and be like, well, where's God? And also, you're, you struggle with XYZ and maybe like, are you even, you say you're about Jesus, but what are you actually doing for him? To do the Lord's work is to believe in God. So freeing. His purpose, our king's purpose is that we will abide in him and know his love. Just abide. I'm reading, uh, so we're going through night, uh, night school on uh, Thursdays. So one week will be a teaching on Jeremiah, so I'll be taking this upcoming one. But then the next week is study hall. Study hall, like we'll have six minutes of someone sharing the gospel, which is really cool. But then we'll have about 50 minutes of silence. You can read whatever you want. So I've been going through a book I struggle with, uh, John Mark's Ruthless and Elimination of Hurry. I was given it for my last birthday from a group of friends who understand that that's my probably one of my biggest weaknesses. I'm always on the go. I'm always trying to hurry. And it's been interesting reading this book at uh, study hall, but also kind of wrestle with, why is it that I equate the Lord's work with staying busy? It's with doing these different things. It, it makes me think of Martha and Mary, where Mary sits at the feet of our Jesus, and Martha is being like, using her gifts of hospitality, but she's missing the point. It's not to do things for him, it's to be with him. Luke 21, 16-18 You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you will be put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. Or Romans eight thirty six, For your sake, we will be killed all the day. We will be regarded regarded as sheep led to the slaughter. It's, like, interesting because... um, If you're doing like a pitch to join christianity it's pretty terrible it's a hard sell you know like has anyone ever gone to like a timeshare like pitch thing you don't want to really be there but he says you have to be there for 30 minutes so you're gonna let him do the pitch and if he goes like you may catch malaria at the timeshare Ah. and also the bathroom's not finished well there's not really much of a bathroom and really the um like it, just be like, no, no. Like, what do we? No. But the beauty of our King is he shows the contrast. He shows this is as bad as it will be, and I drink every drop of it, and I will be with you through it all. So it makes me think of Fox's book of martyrs, not a light read, and it was challenging. I remember reading through it. There's so many different stories. Of people who i'm like why did you keep going because i'm assuming that they know scripture as well and it's like well psalm 91 like not a hair's gonna pair. like you're going through all this pain and suffering and you're going into the call set up. like what's hap- what's the the disconnect and it's because they put their faith in the person also a very uncomfortable book, but one of the best books i've ever read Silence by Shuzaku Endo talks a lot about this, this wrestling with this denial of Christ or do you stay, like like instead of having a theology of glory, this theology of suffering and understanding that our Savior did not come up to hmm, how do I put this? I want Cam to be proud of me. <laughs> our Savior came here to serve and lift His Father's name up. And sometimes I have been guilty in my faith of being like, how will this advance me? How can I suffer in a way that will look good rather than completely divesting myself and putting his name forward? So uh, Silence is an incredible book. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott went to the school called Wheaton. is west of where I went to, Moody. Hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, a couple months back, uh, one of my friends passed away. Uh, heart on Fire for Jesus missions. When you're at Moody, one of the beauties of it, you get to be with Christians from all over the world. It's pretty awesome. And we are all convinced that God will use us to change it. And thinking of Jim Elliott makes me think of my friend Sarah Thompson. She got married to this guy named JP. We, I like Once again, I had classes with them. They wanted to live a life of missions. And she, soon after they got married found out that she had cancer. And where I would say a lot of us guys, at, guys and gals at Moody, there was like this, uh, this idealism and a romantic, romanticization of what missions, that was not with them. They just really loved Jesus and thought that God, and knew that God was going to use them in a unique way. She passes away. Some of her like blogs that she wrote was just the most... Just trusting in the person of God, even though the situation that her and her husband were going through was devastating. I've been in Bible school for, and like in ministry for about 10 years now, for 11 years. And it goes from, oh, in theory, that's really hard, but God is good, to when you see someone where I'm like, oh, if anyone that God's going to use on the mission field? It'd be, well, Sarah. So then why would God allow this? Or we think about Jim Elliot, who's young, who's newly married. He goes off to the unreached peoples, not to build fame for himself, but to expand the gospel, and he's killed. Hmm. Our bodies can be destroyed, but our souls are safe in his hands. That's the comforting reality, but sometimes it's a hard one to swallow. The world says, place your faith in your job, your relationships. These things will fail you. Loves that become idols become demons. If we put our faith in God, we have the confidence that we are truly safe. Psalms 91 Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to save the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely I will save you from the fowler's snare or the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. There's this old story of this farmer. And I, like I grew up on a pig farm in East Central Illinois. I mean, we had chickens. Pigs, horses, corn, and soybeans. It was for an urban youth from Southside Chicago to go to that, it was quite, is a wild world. But here we are. So there's a story about this barn catching on fire. The, the farmer's devastated. He lo- loses some animals. He's going through the wreckage, the burned out wood, and he kicks this log, and he hits this log and it goes flying, and under it are these baby chicks that are perfectly safe. And he realizes that what he kicked was the mother hen. And what's hard about life is that we don't always feel the feathers in the wings of our king keeping us safe. We don't quite even always understand that he's in the furnace with us. He's not a bystander looking down, like, I hope it works out. That's why the beauty of the Holy Spirit being a member of the Trinity is that he's the comforter. He's with us. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, this is Matthew 23, 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and, the stones and stone those who sent you, how often I've longed to gather you. Your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. How many times were are we? Am I not willing? His wings, his loves, takes our place in front of the destruction of the wages of our sin. That's the gospel. He takes what we deserve on the cross, and he conquers death and rises again on the third day. It's not the promise; it's the person. It's Jesus. Such a truly beautiful, life-giving name that all knees one day will bow and confess. All the poor and powerless, all the lost and lonely, all the thieves shall come to confess and know that you are holy. Psalms 91, 14 through 16. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. This is God speaking back. I will protect him because he knows my name. Not just, we we don't want to know facts about the person. We want to know, have an intimate relationship. When he calls me, I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. it is wild in how we can read a chapter, Psalms 91, and one moment it can be like, oh, I've heard this before. But then another moment, like, wait a minute, that makes no sense because it says this, my life is such. But then hopefully it's the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to the next point of being like, I get it. He's with me. We were talking about the Beatitudes a couple months back at Southeast. And I was super embarrassed to admit this, but here we are. <laughs> uh, blessed are the brokenhearted. For he, like all the blessings parts, I've always thought like not like a prosperity gospel kind of thing, but like blessings, you know. But like the blessing is he's with you. That, that that's everything, and it, just, it was like so freeing, like uh, having that hit me so hard a couple months ago. Like, oh, he's with me. Um, I teach at Ecola Bible School the Gospel of John in a week. It's wild. It's fast-paced. But one of the things I try to challenge the kids are, on without fail is that I want you to be critical thinkers and wrestle with who does Christ say that he is but also what does it mean to be with him? Does it mean knowing more Bible verses? Does it mean knowing more songs? Is it making sure you show up to youth group or you serve at Sunday school? It's like helping these kids, these college kids, understand that life is extremely hard. I'm not going to pull any punches, but know that he's, Christ will go with you every step of the way, and on top of it, you don't have to be anything but be with him because he wants to be with you in a shady green pastures so rich and so sweet god leads his dear children along where the water's cool flow by the weary one's feet god leads his dear dear children along some through the waters and some through the floods, some through the fire but all through the blood some through great sorrow god gives a song in the night season all the day long Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. And sometimes in the valley in the darkest of night, God leads his dear dear children along. Though sorrows befall us and evils oppose, God leads his dear children along. Through the grace we can conquer and defeat all our foes, God leads his dear children, children along. Away from the mire and away from the clay, God leads his dear children along. Away up in glory, eternity's day, God leads his dear children along some through the waters and some through the flood, some through the fires, but all through the blood. With Cam, Pip, Ian, Evan, Josh, Zion, like the whole crew, when you guys come to Door of Hope, whether it's Northeast, which I'm honored to be here, or it's Southeast, we are all God's children and he wants to lead us he's aware of the journey he's asking you to go on and he's promising that he will walk with you all the way because he's not able to write checks that bounce you cannot outsin him there's nothing that like it is as we like go through preaching cohorts and as we unpack different passages the thing that I always try to toss to the college kids when I'm with them is the fact of there is so much freedom and grace and hope in who Christ is. And I'm not sure what your guys' stories are today, but if you are in a season that's really dark and really hard, God is with you. He loves you and likes you.
0: So I'm close this in prayer, and then the worship team will be coming up.